Welcome to another episode of the Have You Heard the Latest podcast. This week we're going to be taking a look at Gretchen Rubin on the Rich Roll podcast. Rich Roll is a vegan ultra marathon runner who's also very interested in the psychology of both athletes and the population at large. And what this episode really touched on with Rubin was her hypothesis for the four distinct personality types of people and what those look like. So Tom, I'll ask you, what did, uh, what did you get from this podcast as your big takeaway? So in the, I had not heard of it, and in the early stages of the podcast, I was not, I didn't have a particular, I wasn't really sure what to expect. And interestingly, um, she starts off grounding her work in how human beings deal with expectations. And when I heard that, I was like, expectations, it's, it's a word that I don't hear used that often, but it's like, wow, yeah, a lot of, that is an important element of my life is the emotional response to expectations. And her next uh, line was, and expectations can be broken into two dimensions. That which the world expects of you, that which you expect of you. And just noting right there, at that point I was hooked. I was like, wow, you won me over immediately. I was like, I, this is a very interesting topic. It seems right at the heart of day-to-day struggle. Um, so listening to the podcast, even, you know, that's how she won me over in her, in expectations. I was like, wow, that does seem relevant. Uh, yeah. How was your reaction to that? Yeah. It's actually funny too, because I realized that I very rarely think in the exact term of expectations in my head. Like very rarely am I ever considering expectations explicitly, but the way she winds up framing them specifically as like inner expectations and outer expectations uh, you realize how you're kind of always thinking in expectations and i thought it was kind of cool i like it was almost like a little uh like a little punnet square almost she develops because she breaks people down into these four category types for their personalities which are obliger upholder rebel and questioner and this just works across those expectation things whether you value inner but not outer outer but not inner value them both or don't value either and once she sort of laid out that framework for this is what it is and and this is how you can map it onto yourself and your personality type I was like, okay, there, there doesn't seem to be a hole in any of this. And anytime someone presents a theory on on something that immediately seems so watertight, I'm pretty much hooked in on it. Yep. So, and one of the things she says uh, throughout the podcast is that, you know, she warns you too, this is a narrow band of analysis. It's like, it's not like we're looking at all of you. Uh, we're instead looking specifically how a human being deals with expectations. So it's not like a broad sweeping thing. This is your fundamental personality type. This is simply, do you uh, either resist expectations altogether, 
do you embrace what she calls both inner and outer so if we just think about what what an outer expectation to me would be like a grade from school perhaps or uh, money in life or interviewing um, or stuff like that or you know other people really that you need to do something that is what they they want right as opposed to perhaps what you want would that be an outer expectation yeah that 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 seems to be the big difference is outer expectations are kind of the visual world in front of you whereas an inner expectation is something that's only known to you so those things could be framed like the grade thing is let's say your parents think uh, you should be an A student. So that would be an outer expectation of your parents judging you based upon your grades or your teacher judging you, your classmates judging you, versus in your head, you're like, I want to get a 100 on this this test. And it's only about you, and the only thing that matters is that I get a 100. So that would be an inner expectation because it the only expectation that's been set is by you. Whereas outer is kind of people's influence on sure. you to some yes. degree. Mm. Like that winds up being a lot of – so I think you mentioned to me that you also went and took like the yes. quiz that Ruben offers yeah. on her website. Uh, and that's how like a lot of the questions are phrased in a way where – it's in aspect to if somebody asks you to do something, how do you react or are you very personally motivated? And you can see that tension between inner and outer expectations. Um, but what did you wind up getting on your personality quiz? Right, right, right. Uh, right, so exactly. So one of the things she does nicely, she offers is the quiz that lets you figure out which one of these you are. And yep. that already... So I actually paused at minute at minute twenty five of the podcast. Once she said, "Oh, I have a quiz," I was like, "Again, still skeptical because, you know, just seems very confident the whole pitch." And you're like, "Ah, I don't really know. You're you're making the world so simple, like you have some universal truth, right? It just feels like, uh." And then it's like, "All right, you have a quiz." And then as I'm taking the quiz, some of the questions are like very interesting, to the point in which you. A lot of the value add that I've received so far is in the self questions that that you get asked. Like, for example, uh, one of the themes that I, was revealed about myself was that uh, we have, um, or I have, um, a tendency for paralysis by analysis, right? Asking too many questions. And another one would be when questions about when you take advice. Or, or when advice is given to you, does it turn you off to doing it, right? And and I could see how there are folks who get turned off by being told what to do. I often like it because I think it, it clarifies some of the path. And overall, this cluster of questions uh, reflected a questioner. Um, and a questioner in the model uh, is the one that is tilted toward inner expectations dominant. Whereas an, uh, an obliger would be uh, outer expectations dominant and the majority of the population fits in one of those two categories. And then there's sort of a mix of those two elements in where a upholder has both expectations met and the rebel has neither. 
the rebel just resists expectations, wants to just be free and does not like that, right? And it's very interesting because maybe yeah. that's life's sort of natural diversification is this grouping. So, I, you know, between that and the quiz, I, I was pretty happy. But, yeah, so I got questioner, and I was impressed by, the you know, some of those questions on the quiz. Yeah, it seems like I kind of walked into the quiz being expecting to get questioner just knowing how I am. It's like, okay, I'm, I'm the type of guy that's always needs to check something out before I personally invest in it. And I'm not overly concerned about outward expectations of things and, and what people's pressures on me or what people are supposed to think. I Those sort of things really don't generally weigh into my decisions. So it wound up actually be a pretty, wound up being a pretty validating quiz because I knew a lot of those things about myself through self-awareness, which she also mentions as being so supremely important. And then for the quiz then to follow through and actually produce that answer for me really took the quiz that level higher and really validated it for me because it made a lot of sense. And the way the questions are framed in such a way where you really have to read them and put yourself in the specific scenarios of the answers so it's not like one of those uh, like one of those quizzes where it's like oh agree disagree strongly disagree strongly agree. Those are always tough for me because there's a lot of nuance involved in those sort of quizzes. Yep. Yep. Whereas Ruben, Ruben frames all the questions on like a very precise yep. way, where some of the answers are literally situations you know you that have occurred in your head and you know then okay look this is me i've clearly done something where somebody told me to do something and i was gonna do it but i backed away from it because they told me to do it i resisted to the fact that i was being told something uh the leading question that she uses is have you kept a new year's resolution where you weren't accountable to anyone and (laughs) very interesting because if you're able to make your own habits, that's pretty – I admire that. Now, interestingly, I'm not sure who's able to do that. Typically, human beings need a partner to keep things. Um, so, you know, it's like it's like a flurry of questions that try to test you, I guess, to see where you're drawing your energy from or your approval from or – right? Yeah, well, I think you just made an interesting point even in where you let in that question is you said, I don't know what kind of person <laughs> that shows something could be that way. And it's like, well, ironically, I completely feel that way. Yes. I'm very rarely uh, in need of a person keeping on me about something or setting the expectations for me or holding me to this goal and checking in on me. It's not like that at all. Like it only matters to me. So it's actually a little ironic because that's also something she touches on right towards the end of the podcast is she she mentions that people are different and that the big thing to take away from this isn't necessarily that if you're a questioner, you should be controlling people in your life to see how they can be questioners or what whatever personality type you were, but that you should accept that, listen, 
I may be the type of person that is very internally motivated on something. Let's say like it's the goal thing. Mm -hmm. Whereas another person, let's say my best Mm -hmm. friend, uh, a family member, a spouse, whatever, is very externally motivated. So you can keep something like that in mind and, and realize like, oh... Maybe I should be giving this person more encouragement or asking about how their their resolution is going, even though I'm not the type of person that would traditionally need those questions asked of me. No, I think it's a very interesting point. And it's it, it's almost like those who are able to handle their own New Year's resolutions, you don't really hear as much from them because they're sort of doing these things and it's sort of easy for them. So they're not the ones that make the commotion, right? So I'm used to fellow people who cannot stick to habits talk about how they can't stick to habits and have to find ways around (laughs) it but ultimately i completely agree with you it's synergies with different human beings where some folks yeah exactly that have that natural ability to self-generate can ground others very funny in other arenas of my life non-habit related ones macro choices i stick i wind up sticking to myself quite a bit so you can see sort of oh, yeah. even with, you know, you and I both quit corporate jobs to explore entrepreneurship and are now in the process of learning media companies. So that is all self-determined. So it's like, okay, interesting on different dimensions. We may have, you know, different mixes of these two, these two items internal and external yeah and i think it also depends on like your type of thing like we all have our things where you're insecure about something so you may not want it public or you may be very okay with something and it's funny again because i'm even catching myself talking about it where it's like it is very personal dependent because let's take the example of something you're insecure about you're not confident in this thing one group of people is can definitely fall into not wanting to talk about it then listen i'm not very good at this thing i don't want to talk about it like it makes me uncomfortable to talk about it because i'm not sure in myself and then other people wind up being empowered actually by the fact that they're talking about it because they're so used to beating themselves up over it and then talking to people about it actually energizes them so it's like you realize there is no uh one size fits all for personality types and getting things done. Interesting. Interesting. So in that situation right there, I was thinking that you could also over talk it. You could under talk it. So you could not talk about your problems enough. Others may talk about them too much and bring, fill up the space with that. That's another form. And it's interesting that what is the way forward? What's that middle ground? It's some combination of talking about it enough so that you have the truth out and then not talking about it so that it ruins the rest of your experience. So I would wonder that different people may come from different places on this map and then they may need some balancing, right, to sort of get there. Because, you know, like, if you called someone an obliger, it's very hard for that in the modern day to not be, you know, if not slightly insulting, you know, something like that. Where it's kind of saying, (laughs) hey, you don't have, uh, you know. But she does say, though, that leaders and so forth and successful people have no correlation with any of the four. 
which really I thought was a wonderful element of what she was saying, which is there may be obligers that are excellent leaders across the board, and there's really no domination there. This is just purely individual by individual. How is your happiness a function of? So then it was only just then a function of the word obliger, just sort of maybe uh, being a little bit... Uh, well, obliger almost seems like it has a slight negative connotation to it. But in fact... Although yeah, you could you could at, argue the same thing about rebel. Being good at society is nothing. It's not obliging, right? If you derive your identity at least somewhat from grades and success, yes, you may get caught in groupthink. I could see how that could be the case, but you are going mm -hmm. to execute at a very reliable level. So that's perhaps the underrated part. Well, her point too about an obliger specifically, because obliger is someone who's going to remember be driven by outer expectations and not so much inner expectations, is that they may have a hard time taking care of themselves. That, that was the issue she uh, spoke about specifically with them is uh, where you're so used to taking care of everybody around you that you maybe don't take time for yourself. That makes sense. That makes sense. You're a giver to the point of not giving it up to you. Exactly. Uh, but being being Ugh. stuck that way. Like I'm far from there. That's why it's foreign. That's funny. That's why we're questioners, exactly. Tom. We're too used to being selfish. <laughs> That's... Apparently. Jeez. But... <laughs> But so here's here's what's interesting is if you take a look at all of the types, you can see how you're inclined towards to a certain degree. And you can also then see how it's refreshing to step into, let's say, another modality. You know, you're used to being internally driven with internal expectations so and not really caring as much about outer at, at, at on a yeah. macro level, yes, let's say maybe. Definitely. But instances, look, I can name plenty of instances where you're clearly not driven by your own personal expectations. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, and that actually serves as a refreshing moment, I would say, probably. And one thing, for example, in business is the synergizing. It's like you want to get, you want to shoot through two, two, you know, you want to have a Venn diagram. You want to shoot through two, two different filters one is you want whatever you're doing to matter to you possibly even be fun to do if not now in the future but simultaneously you want it to be economically feasible and by the way what all, all that that means is that you have actually added value that people would pay for which is actually people are pretty difficult there you have to add a lot of value to do that so you do there's a center but again this test is designed for your your personal happiness and where it's being derived right and sort of your tendency yeah this exactly. is not like a goal for how to be the Just most noticing, successful business you know, noticing that in a business the business fundamentally you're doing thinking like this to some extent but uh, you wind up having to blend both internal and external you know? oh it seems without a doubt that if you can. from a business perspective, if you were to overlay the whole expectations thing, you would find up it being an upholder every time. Like you need to care about your consumer, so you need to care about outward expectations, right? If you're only satisfying yourself but no one really likes it, then 
It's not a business. But if you only care about what people think, you wind up making a Transformers movie. You know what I'm saying? Like, if you have no inner expectations and you have no inner level of success or achievement in your own expectations, you wind up only trying to satisfy the people. And from a business perspective, either extreme, whether it would be questioner or uh, questioner or obliger, I think you would struggle simply from a business perspective. And then, um, interestingly, it sounds like when I heard about the quote-unquote rebel, where they dislike expectations altogether, and it's sort of a small population, you know, somewhat rare. And uh, it's like, well, you could see how in a society you want to break the paradigm of the sort of people who question too much and the people who, you know, are good actors but maybe question too little. And you may want to break that with just sort of some diversifiers, you know. And I was like, wow, that's kind of interesting if life, you know, sort of has that distribution where it's uh, a lot of questioners and a lot of obligers. And then some upholders and some rebels. So, yeah. yeah, I think Ruben had a really good quote about rebels because I don't know if you had the same sort of initial thoughts about rebel, but when she brought up rebel, I was like, well, how could that actually be useful for anybody? Absolutely. Like, you're just bucking everything. Like, how do you get anything done? But Ruben makes this interesting point about rebel. And she talks about what we can learn. And she's like, the thing we can learn from Rebels is we're more free than you think. Mm. As people, you are more free than you think. And if you if you think about it, and the whole Sorry. point of the Rebel is they're always – they're hyper-questioning. They're questioning themselves. They're questioning outward and inward. You see that a lot of the structures we put around ourselves, whether they're internal or external – are kind of not really as solid as we we like to think they are so beautifully stated man i thought that was fascinating as well because as someone who is probably some questioner upholder mix right i often forget the presence of life i mean you know i'm often overwork you know over expecting you know pushing too much and it being ridiculous and not enjoying life than I am enjoying life too much and needing my mind, right? So it's, you know, it definitely shows that we need each other, which is perhaps, which Without is perhaps a doubt. the best part of the whole situation because we all draw from each other's strengths and there, sometimes we overlay and it's like a magnification of our talents and other times it's a pairing with a different kind of person. Yeah, I think that's pretty important. That's something she touched on, I would say, throughout the the course of the podcast was bringing that up, that people are different ultimately. Like that's the big takeaway is that people have different personality types and people handle things differently. And the key to a productive relationship, because she brings it up specifically with uh, role winds up being more of an upholder questioner type and his wife is more of a rebel and she's talking about well how do you make this work in a relationship and that that same thing goes for any sort of relationship whether it's with your spouse or whether you're on a team and you need things to work 
instead of looking at the other people and being like, I don't understand why I always need to motivate this person. I don't get it. I can just handle my thing. Why do I always need to check in with him? And you realize the answer is not judging that person and like beating them to death and hoping that they one day can just be so self-sufficient. You don't need to, to mention things to them anymore. And realizing like, okay, well, that's how, yeah. that's what drives this person. This person thrives off of that type of thing. And that's okay. That's perfectly okay. <laughs> that's fascinating that you say that. Yeah, I completely agree. Uh, it's hard not to want to change others into ordering their lives even more. <laughs> because you do that yeah. and you think that's good. <laughs> so it's it, very And because it works for you. Exactly. It's tough. Um, the common That's the crazy thing. So common theme that she said, and I just heard Gary Vayner. So Gary Vaynerchuk was asked, "What's you're a big uh, fan of hustling and you know working hard. What's more important, hard work, or and you're like, well, what could possibly be more self actualization? And he says, self actualization, right? Next question, right? Basically, and the guy is surprised. Yep. And he's like, because if you don't know who you are, it doesn't matter how fast you're you know you don't know where you're going it doesn't matter how fast you're driving right and it's this type of uh mental quiz gets at a lot of self-questioning and it winds up being very useful because some of them it's like you're i'm was like oh yeah definitely that one so the fact that this philosophy was translated into a series of questions and whether or not it categorizes you it at least gets you to ask yourself the self-actualization questions very valuable endeavor overall and she wound up with my email and i was like wow this is a very good business so it wound up being a little entrepreneurship class in a box where oh wow this is how you do it right here guys this is an internet you know this works so yeah there's a couple ideas right there but no it it also shows that this is the fourth one we've done of this and and I think there's a growing theme about self-awareness this is something Dalio uh, brought up a ton uh, when we were talking with his interview with Ferris it's Dalio constantly, self-awareness understanding yourself, what are the mechanisms he was setting up at his, at his office self-awareness, what are the mechanisms he sets up for himself meditation and self-awareness then when we get to this one and you've got Ruben talking about it from a very psychological standpoint and from like a social sociological here are these big groups of people and it once again it comes down to self-awareness it's like and you just said it about Vaynerchuk self-actualization well how do you actualize yourself if you don't understand who you are you can't and right so it seems it seems to be a fundamental thing potentially is the importance of self-awareness. I almost can't imagine any of them putting anything above that, right? It's almost like when you listen to them, it's hard to say what would even be put above that as a theme because that's basically the theme of entrepreneurs is you have to be okay with yourself enough to self-create something that won't exist and doesn't want you to exist initially. So you have to stand there without getting positive feedback in the early stages. That's like the fundamental entrepreneurship law. 
you got to stand there for years and have no one think that you're cool, right? Like at some level. And that's funny because how do you do that? Well, first you need quote unquote self awareness. Well, what is that, right? So it's like, all right, it's really a series of years, you know, whatever, however long is however much uh, that you basically pay attention to your life at some level and allow it to reveal itself through how other people are with you. Ooh, I'm like that too. Or, ooh, uh, let me try doing this new idea that I have. Like, oh, journaling inspires me or, you know, creating something inspires me. Like, let me actually take a step. So it's sort of acting. But it, it roots to me from paying attention to your life, which means you have to create some room for the uncomfortable silence of just being with yourself too. That's part of it. You can't run from, okay, right now I'm just going to be still and work or be still and talk, right? Instead of being consumed by the world, basically feeding you a new thing. I don't know. What's your, what's your yeah, crack at this no, awareness? No, I think, I think you, you hit it on the head when you said just pay attention. And the way you framed it about just being still in the moment and being able to just be there and pay attention, it, it reminds me about what we talked about last week about staying off your phone and getting overly consumed with things coming in at you. And that's that's a moment where you'd say you're not really pay, paying attention, right? Like you're exactly. being consumed with this other thing. So if you wanna frame self-awareness and you say okay self-awareness is key okay we're putting that at the top sure. of the list okay well then then how do we get it all right pay attention okay what does that mean well are you in the moment are you giving right. the moment the credit it yes, deserves exactly. or are you clogging it up and then to filter into another thing here is cluttering are you cluttering your life then with these other things that are not allowing you to pay attention. And I think I can think of off the top of my head a million different things for a million different ways. It's like the, this analogy comes to mind. It's like you're in a room and you're watching TV and your kid's crying in the other room and you're focused on your TV show. It's the, it's the season finale. They're finally unleashing the dragons, but there's a kid crying in the other room. It's like, well, are you paying attention to you in your life at that moment? Because what is your priority in life? Is it your family or is it your TV show? Well, most people's answer would be their family. But are you paying attention to the moment? Sure. And that can then boil down into your self-awareness and understand that situation about yourself. And you can unpack things very easily if you're just trying to pay attention because even then if you're not paying attention even if you lapse into overchecking social media or whatever it is you at least have a center that you're getting to if your center is paying attention and being in that specific moment you now have a map that can guide you back to that moment even when you drift further away from it yes no it's interesting because it's like, okay, so self-awareness appears at first to be about, like, what kind of person am I? And that is somewhat true. You're figuring out 
what triggers you, what your weaknesses are, who are you naturally. That is one uh, part of it, right? The ironic thing is that when you go to execute on self-awareness, it's like, yes, you may picture the guy pondering, you know, with, you know, in the park, <laughs> yeah, but yeah. it's like, it's basically, it's also acting, it's being, it's giving, it's, uh, you know, cutting the lawn unexpectedly and taking the trash out up to uh, doing well on a job interview up to, oh, this typically gets me mad. I'm going to at least not react, right? It's a whole variety of, it's taking your life a moment at a time. Ironically, it's not like you can think about each moment. So it's not thinking about it. It's, it's allowing it to happen. And then basically like in sports, when you just pay attention, then you react. Um, uh, naturally, sort of like you can't plan on oh I'm going to jump up at this point to catch the ball. You just sort of play starts. You're running, and then all of a sudden, right, a great move emerges. So that's like one easy example of like how life is. Yeah, being in the and zone. creativity is the same yeah. kind of way where the paradox is like, go sit down, don't do anything else if you can, except just have the pen and paper, and then as you begin. You won't even know what you're about to write. That's the crazy part. Paragraph three, you did, didn't even think about. And all you can do is follow the first. So it's like there's all these like triggers, but ironically, playing your life well is letting go of it and then performing better. So it's very funny. Self-awareness is like the art of learning yourself and then not thinking about it <laughs> and paying attention because you don't want to be like in a conversation and think, oh, I'm a questioner. So I right, it's like who yeah, it yeah, matter. Yeah. What would the questioner right. say in this exactly. scenario? <laughs> the great yeah. conversation secret is that conversation emerges between two people rather than one person acting on the situation really, right? So again, it's like Yeah. So this is one half, right? Fun games to learn who am I driving? Well, that's kinda of, right. Who is this person? What what are their tendencies? But then game two is then let it all go and relearn that you're not a questioner in that department at all. Like, like I, like I spent a lot of my time obliging quote unquote, meaning caring deeply about what the world thinks about me in externally verifiable ways. I love doing that, but yet I don't make my choices that way necessarily. So anyway, just noting the, you know, the contradiction sometimes of self-awareness. No. it's learning and then unlearning as they say. That's, that's an interesting tension you mentioned because I didn't even really think about that initially where self-awareness – self-awareness is not quite – I guess a lot of the times I conflate self-awareness and self-reflection mm. as being the exact same thing and they're not – self-reflection is literally the act of understanding yourself and thinking about yourself and how it's framed whereas self-awareness is more understanding that and then being able to live by that way uh, they're not really quite the same thing self-awareness can be in the moment whereas self-reflection can never really be in the moment you, you you can't really have like you said you you can't have the ball coming towards you and then self-reflectively think about what it should mean to make the like you just have to do it but you could have the self-awareness to do it. Absolutely. So what would self-awareness mean? Well, the, one of the ways of thinking about presence and self-awareness in this way is thinking about what it's not. So you can imagine what happens when a, an extremely talented wide receiver 
turns a corner, wide open ball, and it flip. It goes right off his hands, drops, drop 101. It's like, well, you can call that not self-awareness pretty reliably because at some level, his, yeah. his mind was you know somewhere he can do it also, else. Exactly. Right? He would, and he would say that, I wasn't, I wasn't there. Because if I was there, it basically would have happened, let alone a freak, let's say something. Totally accidental, right? So it's, you can imagine life has those moments in your life where you're not really there. And I, if I'm ever texting and driving or doing something like that, there's often a moment where you're like, oh, I'm not here. And what is that nervousness? Oh, yep. I'm just getting back. And here it is driving. And you're like, Ugh, that was bad, right? So anyway, but that that happens in over and over and over and over and over again, possibly, especially if you're mad at somebody and resenting them. And then it takes up a lot of space. I think it's also just your day. Every day. Every day. Like I, I don't, I don't think it needs to even be anything sure. big. Uh, Ruben, Ruben said that it's easy to be reactive to the world. It's like amen. amen. I was gonna like, say amen. Oh. <laughs> like it, it, it's really true. Where perfect example is what you just used with the texting thing. It's like your self awareness and your idea in your head is, let's say, texting while driving is ninety nine percent of the time a bad idea. But you were, as you were leaving the house, you were in a conversation with one of your friends that was quite a good conversation. So you step in your car and you're in your car and it's driving and you hear the ping of the text message. It's very easy to just reactively grab the phone and reply back to it or read the text message. It's very easy to just react to it and not have the self-awareness to listen, they're my friend, they understand, I'm going to be at my location in 10 minutes, they'll understand if it takes a little bit of time for me to respond to them. It's not going to blow out this moment that we were having with each other. Exactly. So, And that's the difference between self-awareness and being reactive. Absolutely. And is what uh, you find that in conversation, it's very easy for that to happen. You could ask, am I listening? And sometimes you have an idea that emerges that you do want to think about, so it's hard. There's like a trade-off. <laughs> but in general, your life, you need to be listening. And you can see all of the things that get in the way of us listening. Our own projections, our own thoughts, disagreements, that's good, that's bad, this is what I think. All these things clog our lens when in reality, it's like theoretically you'd want a perfectly clear lens to, to allow maximum information in and then best response out. But instead, we have all of these other things and like life is just kind of cleaning our lenses so that we can hear each other and similarly you have that with yourself i guess right like oh my i'm trying you know i should do this but i'm not right that happens a lot very interesting that hmm. yeah that's that's something where the self-awareness is so important because you can then usually boil those types of things down, whether it's an outward or an inward thing where somebody, some you know you need to do something, but you're not doing it. Why is it that you're not yep. doing it? Why, why does this thing that seemingly matches up with a goal you have in your life, why can't you do it? And understanding, and this is where Ruben's just test in general is helpful, because if you've taken it, let's say, and you know that you're an obliger and you, let's say, have this 
let's say you want to become a accountant, right? You're going for your your CPA. And you know you want to pass the test, you know you need to study, and you just can't bring yourself to study. You're waking up in the morning and you're just not motivated to study. You're blowing it off. But you know that you're an obliger, let's say. It's like, well, maybe the answer here is tell your friends, tell your your family that, oh, I've got the test coming up in a month. So that they will then begin asking you, oh, have you been studying for the test? Oh, it's it's in a month. Oh, what is that, three weeks now it's coming up? You will then get that sort of feedback that then may push you, you know, back on a, your proper yeah, path. Exactly, or join a class is what she was saying. Or join a group, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. the mechanism, exactly. Partner, but here's the ironic thing though. Uh, here's where this blurs in because if you're two questioners, it's extremely valuable to pair as well. So pairing is good for almost for all categories. So it's like when you go to apply truth, it seems like like it's two rebels it's, never meet though. It could be. It could be. It could be. <laughs> <laughs> but it's they a good tendency question. Off, you know? it's, uh, exactly. Like, like I love it for oh completely, for completely to learn from. Uh, but yeah, a lot of these things. I was going to say um, we were talking about the the driving situation, and it reminds me when Josh Waskin, uh, he's a he's a coach of um, athletes, uh, uh, mental athletes, uh, chess players, hedge fund managers, etc. He basically wants them to meditate typically at some point, and he describes it as you basically a lot of your meditation sitting there. It may be eighty percent in your head, like regular you, right? But basically, every time you're in a long conversation, at some point in your head, you may stop and realize, oh, I'm thinking here. I actually. I could continue on this thinking or I could return back. And it's sort of like life is sort of like a returning back where learning is unlearning at some level. It's like you learn all this theory, but then you go out into the world and you forget it. You you pay attention to the world or what you're doing. You let yourself be. And then those these ideas will find themselves naturally kicking back to you and you can now grab them oh wow this person is a little bit like when i read that uh you know etc so it's funny uh, how yes. the self-knowledge yes. it's like yes it's a learning 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 but then it's just a hey be just a regular being like present being returning back to regular life and it's some mix of those learning and relaxing and letting them be there for you so it's you know self-awareness is always a tricky situation i'm always like ah the buddhists wouldn't agree with this really right you know stuff like that because <laughs> the buddhist whole thing is you who is yourself you know when you go into self-knowledge you get there at the end of it you sort of realize oh i'm not really i don't have to be a person with a story i can just be whoever this moment has me emerge you know basically right so it's sort of a weird way. But of how do you get the feet moving forward? That that that's always my thing with that sort of sure. idea is that that is great. It's and like I half agree true with that, too. and that's you know what I mean. Like, but it, it's so stuff. it's so personally dependent. Yeah, exactly, like you can like, respect the fact that we are selves to some fundamental level, but at, at any given point, without a doubt. You don't have to bring it into into the converse into it. That yeah. Well, and your self can be malleable. Exactly. Just because you are a self doesn't mean it's this static fixed thing. Doesn't mean and this is the issue and I do completely agree with that that concept of 
if you're viewing yourself as a static individual, okay, that's a problem because then it, it doesn't allow you to grow and change and take on new ideas. But if you view yourself as like, I am, I am still me, but I can change my opinions and I can adapt and grow, I, I don't see how that can't be useful. Absolutely. That's what self-awareness is, accepting that there is a self. Yes, exactly. And that you're going to be a certain way. And it's accepting it. Exactly. Right? So it's so you work at so it from both ends. It's mixed. Exactly. So that that's what you can yep, say about self-awareness. Exactly. It's two distinct journeys that work together. One is sort of that it is reflection. It is writing things down. It is seeing how you react. And part of it is letting yourself be, which requires sort of, okay, yes, I'm all of this. I have all this stuff that I know about myself. But... I can't like now, because I'm this way, oh, I'm this way, so I need to be that way. That doesn't work. We all hate that, in fact, in conversation. You know, ooh, inauthenticity, right? Ooh, they're bringing in character, right? Oh, you, you can <laughs> smell course. it from a mile away, And right? what's the opposite? Yeah. It's, oh, this this wound up being great, right? Oof, fascinating. Yeah, it's like it almost doesn't have words, the other thing. You're just like, ah, oh, things were just, they just, that, that's what flow is it's flow fits it so well being in the zone fits it so well why, why were you able to hit those those incredible shots in a row i don't know i wasn't even thinking about it exactly exactly you were just flowing along with things uh one noticing a yeah, now yeah, go ahead. yeah yeah no go ahead i was gonna please. say one funny noticing about the podcast is they don't talk about questioners the entire time because they are just two upholders and they're so proud of being a <laughs> i was like guys the questioner is the best one i don't know if you know about that but oh, <laughs> such man. a questioner thing to say questioner right. doesn't get a lot of lo rebel gets gets some interesting thing because it, it winds up being a very interesting subsect sect of people right. and questioners though it's funny that it probably does wind up being the least talked about thing. Well, they don't talk about but it. But I think all. it's a. Yeah. I think it, it winds up actually nature. being a fairly large. Exactly, exactly. It winds up being a fairly large group of the population. Well, especially that is podcast that is listeners, possibly. I don't know. It'd be interesting to know. Well, know. depends who you are, who you're seeking out, why are you doing it. it there's really, there's really a million different ways. So I'd like to take us to that point where kind of wrap things up and I want to ask you, you just listened to the podcast, you took notes, we just talked about it for an hour. If you want to tell somebody about this podcast, what's the one lesson, the one big takeaway you're telling people about from this podcast? It is worth considering where you derive your happiness from in the model of thinking of how do I respond in different areas to what the world wants me to do versus what I want to do. And you could see the imbalances of going, like of not caring at all what the world thinks and the, and only carrying up you know and flipping it so it's it's interesting to consider that model of thought and uh, her quiz um if you you know just google gretchen quiz i think like a million people have taken it 
you know, you can take the questions as ways of reflecting on this. How about yourself? Yeah, I think I yeah. think that's great. My big takeaway is a real simple thing that uh, is don't judge people that are different from you in the way that you would want them to become more like you. And to explain that a little more clearly, maybe it's accept that people are different from you and have different personality types and different things motivate them, but that doesn't make them lesser than you or better than you for that matter. That people can just be simply different than you and can arrive though at the same conclusions, the same status in life for in whatever way as you with a completely different sort of inner motivational mindset and that that's okay. Stop trying to control everything and accept that things can be different and other people can be different. And I know it's something that I've always struggled with is trying to manipulate the world around me and the people around me to want to be more like me. And the reality is that people are not going to be like you and that's awesome. That's what makes life so unique and fun. Well, on that note, I think that wraps up another episode of Have You Heard the Latest Podcast? And uh, take it easy. Give us another listen, guys. Thank you.